0: Welcome to the ByWords Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Hughes. I love helping passionate women gain clarity about their purpose so they can kick fear to the curb, break up with the hustle, and say goodbye to the lies that hold us back from pursuing our dreams wholeheartedly. We're going to get open and honest, share some laughs, and maybe some tears, but at the end of the day, my hope is that you will walk away encouraged, inspired, and ready to step into your purpose with confidence. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive right in. Love is powerful. It eradicates fear, brings us together, and equips us to live out our purpose in the earth. Honestly, I'm not sure there's a problem love couldn't remedy. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your copy of my new book, Love Is Remastered, and join me in making this world a better place by learning to love more intentionally than ever before. This book also supports Traffic 911, which is a local nonprofit that helps youth coming out of human trafficking in Dallas-Fort Worth. You can get yours today at thehannahhughes.com slash shop. That's thehannahhughes.com slash shop. Okay, now let's get into the episode. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of the ByWords podcast. I'm really looking forward to today's episode because it's something that is very, very big on my heart. And if you've been around me for any amount of time, you probably know how passionate I am about human trafficking. And... You know, lately people have been asking me more and more how I got involved and what makes me so passionate about it. And it's really a simple story. When I was in high school, I found out about this organization, Traffic 911, and I went to a rally that they had in our area. And I just started learning about human trafficking and that it was actually happening in my town. And I just couldn't believe it. It just broke my heart and it was baffling to think that it was happening right here in my area. And so through the years, I've just continued to stay connected and God has given me really cool opportunities to be able to give back through my books or educate using my social media platform and just continue to learn about human trafficking and discover ways that I can make a difference, even though I feel totally unqualified. Like there is nothing that qualifies me to be able to make a difference in the realm of human trafficking, but I've just learned that we all have a part to play. And I actually believe that a big part of living our purpose is loving others well, caring for the vulnerable and giving back. And so that's a huge piece of who I am and what by words is and why I'm so excited to share with you about human trafficking today. And also why I'm so honored and excited to introduce you to Lindsay speed, who is the executive director for traffic nine one one. So, Lindsay's been involved in the fight against human trafficking with Traffic 911 since 2010 and is considered a subject matter expert in the area of sex trafficking. She currently serves as executive director for Traffic 911, overseeing all the operations and program initiatives for the organization. She also serves on the child sex trafficking multidisciplinary teams in Dallas, Denton, Tarrant, Collin, and Ellis counties in accordance with the Office of Governor in Texas in order to bring about a more coordinated response to child sex trafficking cases. She She's also a member of the Texas Attorney General's Human Trafficking Prevention Task Force, the Crime Victims Council of Dallas County, and the Texas Victim Services Association. Wow, Lindsay, it's such an honor to have you here, and I'm so, so looking forward to having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Yeah, it's an honor. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Oh my goodness, absolutely. I am so excited to talk about this. This is something that I feel like there's beginning to be a little bit more awareness about, but there's still so many misconceptions and still so many, I guess, things that we're just still learning. So I, I would love to hear as we get started, just a little bit about your own story, how you learned about human trafficking, how you got to where you are today. Yeah,
1: um, man, it's, it's a, it's a crazy journey. It's sort of one of those things where I'm, I feel like our stories are being written, you know, and. I learn a new page all the time of like, Oh God, I see what you did there. And now I see why I'm here, you know? Yeah. Um, but gosh, my journey was around gosh, 11 years ago or so. So 2009, 2010, um, the Lord had started putting it on my heart a little bit. I really wasn't one of those people that grew up like, Social justice, you know, save all the people. Yeah, I was like more kind of on a ministry side. Like I, I had that thought, like I'm gonna be a pastor's wife one day or something like that. But I never really, I never really was like drawn necessarily. This sounds bad to like social justice type of things. So this was not in my ten year, twenty year life plan. <laughs> uh, but uh, I had been leading a small group at the time for my church and. We wanted to raise money for something. And so I got, we got connected to a, a group who actually did a lot of trafficking stuff overseas. And so that's when, you know, I started just learning about the issue. And then, uh, really, an acquaintance of mine at church had heard about traffic 911 right when we were getting started and um, told me about it. And she was just like, hey, I think this would be something you'd be interested in. Um, there's more to that. But, anyways, it, it was like, huh, okay. So I, so I went to like, I met this woman who ended up being my mentor, um, who was kind of a part of the grassroots group who started the organization. And we we sat at a Starbucks at North Park Mall in Dallas, and she opens up her laptop and just starts sharing more about just the issue of trafficking, like here in here in the U.S. Um, and more locally. And um, I just I had no idea, you know. I I really. It was not in my purview of knowledge um, back uh, 11 years ago to just even know that this was really a thing here
0: yeah. in, in
1: North Texas and, and, and locally. And I remember going home that night and I told my mo- I called my mom and I was like, I cannot unknow uh, what I just learned. Like, I wish I could rewind because I just learned something um, that I just, I can't wipe away from my brain. And at the time I was in the corporate world, working in corporate marketing And, um, and so I I just started volunteering. I just started volunteering my time and um, one thing led to another and, and, and here we are all these years later. And it's really been one of those things where um, I've had to ask the Lord, why, like, why me? Because I don't have necessarily a story that relates to this um, in the way that the girls we serve. And so for a few years, it was really hard for me to understand why why did you call me into this? You know, and um, it wasn't until probably like six or so years ago, I started really digging into counseling and understanding and really putting words to some of the own like turmoil in our household growing up and just really the environment I grew up in um, kind of, I would say really created this like justice gene in me. I didn't like when people weren't treated fairly. And there Mm -hmm. was a lot of that going on um, when I was young. And I think that that some of that. There's many pages to this story, but that, but that really like helped me understand. Like, there's a justice gene in me, and I want to speak up and and um, do whatever I can for people who aren't being treated as they should
0: man, that is incredible. I feel pretty similarly in my story because I remember it was around the time that taken came out. And yeah. so everyone started talking about it, but I, one of my friends from school, her mom was also a part of traffic nine one one at the beginning. So I remember going to this rally that they had and I read this book and it was kind of the same thing. It was like, I can't unknow this. yeah. And, and I just couldn't comprehend that it was not only happening overseas, but also in my city. Mm-hmm. And I just, I felt so helpless and I just, it felt so big, but I was like, I have to do something. And then for those who are familiar with my story, you know, that later in high school, I also experienced some sexual abuse for, so that for me, just like fueled that need. Like, I cannot believe there are girls who go through this kind of trauma on the, on a daily basis, just over and over again. Like there has to be something done about this. And so I just love hearing your story and i love just seeing what you do at traffic 911 cuz that's something for me where i've just felt like this is such a big overwhelming problem and i feel so unqualified to do anything about that um but it's just so cool to see how you even mentioned like god has just connected you and and i just love seeing that um will you just tell us quickly about traffic 911 and what you guys do in our area cuz it's just incredible
1: yeah yeah so we well, we've done a lot of things over the years we're 12 years old so uh we've I, I think when you get into this field especially as an organization you evolve in um really how you're how you're choosing to tackle the issue and so i like to say our our why has never changed you know we've we've we really had the focus of freeing youth from sex trafficking and really focusing on the younger Kiddos, um, are, are like since our infancy, but how we've gone about it has changed over the years, which I think is very healthy. With this movement, the more you learn, the more you you ebb and flow, and prune, and and really get um, good or better. I should say not good, better <laughs> at uh, at tackling the issue from your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And so, really, for us, what we do now, I really feel like we're in our sweetest spot yet, um, which which really is this um, kind of unique space? I like to call. I mean, it's we're building relationship with trafficking survivors. At the end of the day, that's what we're here to do: is to build relationship. We feel like so much of what's happened um, in the past for um, trafficking survivors is just broken relationships, and so we believe our solution has to come from a relational trust perspective, and from that from that place, and so. What we do now is we have a team that responds in 24-7 crisis response when law enforcement recovers a victim here in the North Texas area, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, one of our advocates dispatches usually with a backpack and responds to um, the location of where the youth is, either at the at the police station or uh, the hospital sometimes. And, Um, we just begin building relationship with them and being their advocate. And it's a part of these huge, what's called a multidisciplinary team. And so we work with all the kind of main systems in each county to work as a team together. And our role is to be the advocate for that youth. And um, wow. And so we get to kind of be in this crisis moment with them, but then um, long-term we really are journeying with them in relationship and doing case management work, helping out the family, plugging them in with resources, um, responding back to the hospital or somewhere when they get re-recovered because relapse is pretty real. Uh, but it, what's unique is we are we're field-based. So our team goes to the youth. We don't have necessarily this place um, where they come to us, we go to them and then get them plugged into the services that they need and just uh, try to stay in relationship with them and build trust over time.
0: That is so amazing. And you guys have served how many youth just this year? Oh gosh, I think we're up to,
1: gosh, we just the other, around 230 was my last, our, our last count when we were trying to count for a grant, but wow. we'll probably hit um, uh, around 250 or 260 by the end of the year.
0: That's incredible. And it's also just crazy to think about, you know, these are kids in our area. And like I mentioned earlier, there are so many misconceptions about human trafficking. And I think there are people who think it just happens overseas or that it's just like what happened in taken. Um, and so can you just explain for those who maybe aren't familiar, what exactly is human trafficking and how does it happen? Yeah. So,
1: you know, gosh, it, I think it's hard because it can happen in so many different ways and so it's like tackling a really big issue to try to nail it down to one <laughs> definition. I mean there's there's definitions according to the law but you know human trafficking is this umbrella term and typically some of the two of the main types are sex trafficking and labor trafficking. We focus on sex trafficking. And so uh, I'll speak to that. But really, uh, a lot of times what I like to start off by saying about sex trafficking is it's the exploitation of vulnerability. And Mm -hmm. so it's someone who's being exploited, usually due to a vulnerability. A lot of times, um, the easiest way to kind of I guess, explain to someone who really isn't familiar is, is using a term, which I don't like to use, which is prostitution. Um, But I think that helps people understand that it's, it's really a culture shift that we need to do over time with what you thought of was prostitution is actually eight times out of 10 human trafficking, uh, according to the law. And so um, what we see with sex trafficking is it's an exchange of a sex act for anything of value. So. Typically, um, it would be, you know, money that most people think of as an exchange of sex act for some for money, but it could also be for a place to stay, for drugs, um, all kinds of things. And when it's someone under 18, which is most of the people we work with, the important thing to know, according to the law, is that they are automatically a victim. So there's no mm-hmm. such thing as a child prostitute. Um, they, If they are a child experiencing this type of abuse. They're automatically considered a trafficking victim, whether you think they chose this or not. Uh, yeah. And, and even if they're an adult, if there's forced fraud or coercion, um, they're also considered a trafficking victim. And so there's just, there's, there's need for understanding, for, for the public to understand the clarity of, of what trafficking is and how a lot of what you might perceive as prostitution is very often trafficking.
0: Yeah. That's something I actually learned recently. And I, it, it just was so interesting for me to hear because I think it was something like we look at people in prostitution or strip clubs and it's like, well, how could they choose that? that well, that's the choice for someone who really doesn't have any choices. Yes, And it was yeah. just thinking about it that way for me just shifted everything. Cause I was like, wow, like, like you mentioned, there's so much vulnerability there that I was never really aware of. I was like, oh, well, I don't know. That's their choice. Like they chose that lifestyle and, right, and it's so often that they just didn't have another option, which is just yeah. heartbreaking. And
1: they say, I mean, I've heard people say all the time, you know, no one wakes up one day and says, this is what I want to do for a living <laughs> is be, you know, be abused and be basically used for my, all my body's worth. You know, it's right. just not, it's not typical that someone's going to wake up and, and see that. I mean, research shows that women, men, girls, boys who've, who have gotten into this, um, for whatever reason, I mean, it's, it's because it's, um, there's been vulnerabilities and they've been exploited and they don't feel like they have any options or they're under the control of someone else, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it's always more complex than any of us like to, you know, try to fit in our minds.
0: Right. So you mentioned those vulnerabilities. What are some of those things that maybe we could be on the lookout for, just aware of, um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to those vulnerabilities that are being exploited? Yeah,
1: gosh, there, there's a lot. I mean, when you think about vulnerabilities, even you and I have vulnerabilities. You know, I mean, so, so it could be Mm -hmm. as easy as, um, uh, I'll speak to more teenagers because that's who we work with a lot. Um, A teenager who really doesn't have much. parental guidance at home and they're online too much and they are vulnerable because no one's watching them or looking out for them and so um, you know they could get pulled into something that started online or it could be a family who doesn't have love in the home and so that's a vulnerability because if you don't if you haven't experienced a healthy family, especially a healthy father figure, um, a lot of us girls are just more, um, more likely to want that from someone else, even if it's someone unhealthy. Um, so those are some more emotional type of, of vulnerabilities, but there's also, gosh, a lot of what we see is, is really is poverty basic needs not being met, um, runaways um, who, you know, maybe have things going on in the home. And so they're running away from something. Unfortunately, um, there are traffickers and recruiters who want to take advantage of that. And um, people with with former kind of child abuse in their background or sex abuse in their background definitely make them more um just vulnerable to this type of, um, exploitation. And so a lot of the youth we serve before they were trafficked, have a history of sexual abuse, um, wow. child sexual abuse in their history. And so it's something to, when we're, when we're training social workers and counselors and different people like that, we're like, watch out for these kids. If they're in the system, if they're in, um, child protective services, as we know, there was already family things going on there which has made them vulnerable so obviously that and then um the juvenile system if kids are getting in trouble a lot of times it could be wrapped up in some of this too so I could go on and on oh uh I would say another big one that we see a lot is just um addictions in the home Mm. um so if there's family or parental addictions and how that um kind of makes them more vulnerable to susceptible to these types of things
0: yeah yeah so that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah, a I lot. <laughs> and I going on. yeah. And I think for me, that's just kind of where I feel so helpless because it's like, that's so many things. That's so many little problems, so many little vulnerabilities. And it feels overwhelming. It feels like it's way too much for one person to be able to make a difference. But is there anything we just like as normal everyday people who aren't working on the front lines, is there anything we can do to be part of that solution?
1: Gosh, help build healthy families, mm. help build healthy families. If, if, if someone can feel loved by a mother or father or even a mentor, um, I would also always say like mentor a youth, mentor a preteen, um, so that they can feel like they have a, a, a special person. If there's someone in your neighborhood who, um, you know, a kid whose mom worked single mom with two jobs and, she doesn't have much, you know, attention. Like, grab a hold of her, cook dinner for her once a week. Um, we've got to love on our kids um, because they're growing up to either be the victims or um, the offenders, mm. and a lot of that is is due to an unhealthy childhood, you know. And fail, and so I think when there can be trust built. Um, even gosh, just help a family pay their rent so they don't get kicked out of their apartment. You, like it's yeah. it's really basic stuff. When you're helping vulnerable people in your community by fostering a child, by mentoring someone, by helping a family get on their feet, you're contributing to fighting you know against sex trafficking because all of those are the vulnerabilities that are gonna you know be exploited Yeah. Um, if they're not taken care of. So it sounds really simple, but it really is. And I mean it is in effect that it it should be us taking care of, of the vulnerable in our community. It should be the big C church being the big C church. Right. You know, um, and so everyone wants to kind of hone in on this one symptom, which is sex trafficking or this one issue, um, but it's so intersectional. There's so much to it. And we find that most of the time, the girls we work with, Um, they're more affected by the abuse in their home when they're a
0: child, than than their trafficking experience. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. I I love thinking about it that way too. Kind of like on the proactive side, because really like it, that's what God even told us to do is, you know, care for orphans, care for widows, like look out for the vulnerable people in our communities and that could solve so many of the problems before they even start. I love that. It's not, it's not
1: for everyone to just go out and serve attracting. We can, we as Christians, especially, but anyone can do more harm than good with our well-intentioned selves. And I mean, gosh, look, this was me. Uh, I got in thinking, uh, I just want to help. Um, I've heard of an issue and I want to help. Honestly, what's happened is they've helped me more than I've helped them. Um, I get near to brokenness. We all get near to brokenness and we actually realize our own brokenness in the process. And so um, it's not for everyone, you know, to directly serve a trafficking victim. But there are ways. I mean, gosh, we have a we have a doctor's office right now Um over not too far from here, that uh, got connected through a church, and they offer almost all of our girls um, their well woman exams. Wow! They do all of their kind of um, checkups and things like that. And that's a that's a local doctor's office who heard about this and said, like, what am I already doing or what's my expertise and how do I contribute? You know. And so yeah. I think if you want to help even on the reactive side ask yourself, you know, like, what is my world that I'm already involved in or what God's already given me to steward? And how can
0: I use that, um, towards affecting this issue? That is so cool. I love thinking about it that way, because that's kind of been my story. Like I don't have any qualifications, but it's just been cool to see how God has given me opportunities to, you know, like use my books to give back or just use my social media as a platform to educate. like even if it's the smallest things, we all have an opportunity to bring awareness or just educate ourselves. Or, I mean, there's so many things we can do to play a role. It doesn't have to be this huge, massive, like world changing step. Like I think if all of us can take those little steps, we really can start to see a change, which is really cool. No,
1: totally. And I would just encourage people, especially if they have a passion for this, go research and really learn. Number one, just learn learn, 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 learn. And then um, go really understand the groups that are already doing stuff. Mm. Um, Cause I get probably emails and phone calls every week. Someone wants to start something new. Someone has a, you know, a heart to do something. And I want to know like, what have they learned from the people who have been doing this a while? Mm. Because we could dilute our efforts as a community starting 50 million different things. When if we put our, all of our efforts towards like three or four really incredible things that have momentum, I think we're going to make more of an impact. And so I think it's important to kind of check our pride, check our savior complex, myself included, and say, Lord, like, what are you doing on this earth? And how can I join you in what you're already doing? I'm not the savior, you know?
0: Yeah, that's so good. So something I wanted to ask you, and I'm glad you brought this up as far as education, because there's so much there's just so much information out there. How can we actually find accurate information? Yeah, oh,
1: it's tough. <laughs> um. I would say um, the way an organization tells stories uh, is a really big indicator of um, are they too sensationalized in this or trying to get the shock and all value or not? Okay. Um, obviously, this is a this is a hard issue. So there is some shock and awe to it, no matter what you do. Right. Um, but um, but look and see, follow, I mean, I would say, gosh, the National Human Trafficking Hotline, they've been around for years, they're doing really well at, um, at communicating about this issue from a national level, um, in a pretty direct way, a non-sensationalized way, um, so some of the national groups, gosh, Love 146, um, Rebecca Bender Initiative, um, there's some bigger national group, uh, national organizations who are leading the charge in communicating in an ethical storytelling way, in ethical ways that honor survivors that are not trying to tell you a sob story so that you can give them money. Right. Um, and so I would just say, you know, watch for. Um, see who you're, you're following or what websites you're looking at and how are they telling about this and is it an honoring way? A lot of times when we share information, we wanna know that if at any point this survivor or her mom or her or his mom were to look at this right now, would they feel honored? Mm. Um, and so I think that that's a big thing that we, we all as a movement, I actually have it written here on my whiteboard, the maturation of the anti-trafficking field must be stewarded by us as a community. So those of us who are in this work, it's our responsibility to help you understand in a way that that's, has integrity to it, is ethical, is non-sensationalized. And so you want to pray about that and, and understand what you're reading and how you're getting information. But um, we try to share um, a few different things on our website that are good Resources, um, read books, and I would just say, really, probably one of the healthiest things you can do is not let one group or one site be your main point of information. Mm. Like this is this is a really complex issue. I would say pick four or five, you know, yeah. sources and really understand from their point of view. I think is a good um, rule of thumb. You know, when it comes to understand, it's like when me, I mean, when a lot of the Black Lives Matter stuff happened last year. A lot of my black sisters were like, girl, you got to do some some learning. Like, I can't just step mm. in and be like, I'm here with you guys. What, you know, what like, can I do? Right. No, like I had a responsibility to really understand. And that is no short, short timeline. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's the same thing with trafficking. People want to, I mean, I'll, I'll finish a talk sometimes as, at an event and someone wants to grab me aside and just learn, heard about this issue. And they've got this whole business plan, this whole solution. And I want to be like, come back to me in two years after January, you know (laughs) what I mean? Because the kids, like the survivors deserve us for that. We can do more harm than good. So yeah. Okay. Anyways, I can go on so soapbox about that.
0: (laughs) That's really beautiful though. I love just the idea of using honor as a standard when we are learning, when we are sharing, because I think for me too, it's like sometimes I don't know what to share because I don't want to say something wrong, but I've just been really wanting to do the research and reading a lot of books. And it does help to have a lot of different resources. And then also like, just, just, you know, like keeping that in mind, like, how are they talking about their survivors? What is their perspective? What is their standpoint? And it's just been really good and really helpful for me to learn. So I'd highly definitely recommend doing your research before like starting your huge movement. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. So I really love how at Traffic 911, you guys say free people, free people. Could you share the heart behind that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's big on my heart. I get, I get teary about it. I get emotional about it. It's been an emotional week here. Just being really honest um, with you, we had another youth um, pass this week. Mm. So um, it's just, everything means something different a little bit when you have um, tragedy, Yeah. But, um, and what it looks like to honor them. I think free people, free people kind of came out of my own experience of almost like what I said earlier, I came in wanting to help and actually they helped me more than I helped them. It's this acknowledgement of shared humanity. It's this acknowledgement that we are all on our own journey to freedom. No one has arrived, you know, and, and so free people, free people for us means that I am on my own journey And I am choosing to move forward. I'm choosing growth. I'm choosing freedom. And and I'm in the process of that as I choose to um, come alongside other people on their journey. And so um, I want to be able to sit next to a survivor we work with and tell her, like, I have my counseling session on Friday. Uh, Actually, this afternoon, we have a (laughs) counseling session. Um, I'm not just encouraging her to work on herself. And she's got the three-step plan and the goals and things like I have those too. And I have my own brokenness too. And while we don't have the same story, um, I can show up to you in a way that I'm not the fixer. You know, mm-hmm. I am also broken. Um, and, and even though we're in a maybe a different part of life, like we can I can show up to you like that together. So maybe it's a little a lot more on how we show up um, in this fight. Uh, And, and, and I think it, it's just, it's what we try to talk about as a team, all of our advocates, I mean, we pretty much require you to go to counseling every, Mm -hmm. so, you know, every regularly and um, be knowing that you're working on your own things so that we don't show up as hypocrites or saviors um, complexes to some of the most vulnerable people in our community who do not deserve that, you know, they deserve to someone to show up to them with the most humanity and, um, humility, um, next to them. So,
0: yeah, that's really beautiful. I actually read this book. You guys may remember me just raving about this. I read this book called vulnerable rethinking human trafficking by Raleigh Sadler earlier this year. And it's this whole idea that, you know, being part of the solution does require us also to be vulnerable and to show up in our own brokenness and realize like, we're not going to be the savior. We are not the ones who can fix the problem, but we can show up and love people through their own journey. Just being okay with where we're at in our own journey too. Like we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to show up and love people. And so I just absolutely love that you guys have that little mantra. Mm, So
1: cool. I love it.
0: (laughs) So as we're wrapping up, is there anything else that you just wish more people knew about human trafficking? I would love people to
1: embrace that it's not a one size fits all number one um both like in the issue but also in how people heal mm-hmm. um but and in that that the recovery as we call it some people call it the rescue we call it the recovery like when someone has either exited the life or been brought out of the life that is just the beginning like people are like yes and we want to <laughs> celebrate yes but let me tell you about the next years and years and years of her life that are going to be an uphill battle. We thought that was an uphill battle, um, getting out and, um, getting on your feet and not living with all the trauma, figuring out how to live with the trauma that you've experienced. That's the journey. Yeah, that is the journey. And so sometimes we get frustrated, not frustrated, but it's just, I think it's hard as we communicate with the public about this issue and we'll share, even last night, we had a 17 year old recovered. Um, and everyone loves those stories. Like everyone, like, you know, a million likes can, can be on the recovery, but no one fully understands these long journeys of like, she got her GED last month. Like these stories along the way, like those are the ones that are like, that we want people to grasp that this is not a quick fix, you know, this is our community, um, stepping up for these girls and boys and women and men like for years, Mm. um, helping them, um, create a a different life for themselves. Um, and so, yeah, I think that I would want people to know that recovery is just the beginning. (laughs) Mm.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And so helpful to remember that there is a person on the other side of that who still has such a long journey of healing and all of that. So I just love that that's what you guys at Traffic 911 are committed to. Um, it's just so beautiful and exciting to see. So thank you so much for that. Thanks.
1: Yeah, we love it. It's the biggest honor. I Sometimes I, people say like, or sometimes I feel like I'm the Debbie Downer in conversations, <laughs> especially if someone asks me what I do for a living. I'm like, don't ask me do, <laughs> because then you're going to be responsible for the information I'm about mm-hmm. to share you. But I I like to say like, you know what, we get a front row seat to the most incredible human resiliency you've ever seen. Wow. And every once in a while, you know, we'll hear one of the girls say like, but God saw me through that or they'll mention God and I am so convicted. I'm like, good gosh, if they believe there is a God and they have faith amidst what they've been through, like, who am I to ever doubt the goodness of God? You know, seriously. It's um, it's really an honor to get to walk with them.
0: That is incredible. Well, thank you so much for your time. I just really appreciate you. I appreciate everybody at Traffic 911 and what you guys do. Can you please tell everyone where they can find you and continue learning more and get connected? Sure, yeah. So follow us on
1: social media. It's Traffic 911 um, with a CK, Traffic with a CK 911. Um, you can go to traffic91.com.org. They both go there. Um, social media, as far as social media, Facebook and Instagram are probably where you'll find more often. And then you can go on our website and sign up for our um, emails. Uh, You'll get a lot more information that way. Uh, But yeah, we've got um, anti-trafficking orientations here at the office, usually about once a quarter or every so often. If you want to come learn more, um, come sit and and hear from us from what we've learned over these first 12 years. And um, we're happy to help connect you with other organizations doing amazing work because we are not the only one (laughs) and we're a tiny
0: piece of this huge puzzle. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I just appreciate your time and your story and everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, Hannah. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune into another episode of the Bywords podcast. I love having you here and I'm so grateful for your support. Don't forget to share a screenshot of this episode and tag me to let me know you were here. I can't wait to talk again soon, but in the meantime, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram and in the Bywords community group, which you can find links for in the show notes. Until next time, stay brave and remember I'm cheering you on.